Hello everyone and welcome to Just One More Opinion. I'm your host Charlie and today we are talking about Thor The Dark World. So let's get right into it. Thor The Dark World starts right after the events of the Avengers movie with Thor returning home to Asgard with his mischievous brother Loki who is quickly imprisoned for his acts of war. The God of Thunder's new task, as the future Asgardian king, is to make sure that the Nine Realms are safe and have a prosperous peace. Thor protects the realm of Vanaheim right at at the start of the film and celebrates the victory with a feast, but his mind is afar as he cannot forget about his earthly love Jane Foster, who is herself also craving Thor's return. The reunion is rushed, as Jane discovers an anomaly in London which creates um, gravitational and spatial phenomena in a small area in the city, and because of her curiosity, she is pulled into another dimension where she comes into contact with a strange red substance called the ether. Heimdall, back in Osgard, senses Jane's strange situation and Thor returns to Earth to find out what is going on. As the ether now inside Foster's body protects itself from police and intrusions, Thor quickly decides to bring Jane to his home where she can be properly examined. And there, Odin tells the story of Malekith and his dark elves who are drawn to the ether's power so they can bring destruction to the universe, bring it back to darkness. Hence the stupid title for the film. So. Let's pause my somewhat boring summary of the movie and start looking for what was done well and what was done badly because I think we can all agree that this movie is in the bottom three of the MCU, quite possibly even the bottom one, I would argue, because The Dark World is just not a good movie, right? And why is that? First of all, we have the villain problem with Malekith. He is an easily forgettable villain, not only because his power and motives are weak, but also because his appearance and personality are absolutely ordinary. If he wasn't given screen time, any other Dark Elf could have been Malekith, for all I care. And just to reiterate, his motives are weak, hollow, he he wants the power of the ether so he can return to the dark ages of the universe and in doing so destroy most of what exists as the conversions situ- singularity um, approaches and the nine realms will be in reach for him to obliterate and I've, I've said this in another episode or two but these motives for villainous acts in my opinion, are just very two-dimensional and I appreciate when there's more depth to our antagonists. He also has an ally in Curse, who is also this brute and unremarkable bad guy. So that that is the first big problem, the, the villain problem. Then we have the Aether's powers issue. 
Now we know in time that the ether is actually the reality stone, a very powerful ancient artifact that can warp reality. And we know this because of future films and future applications of the ether, specifically in Infinity War. Here, however, its powers are similar to any other mystical weapon most of the time. Its use is very limited, and even in the climax of the movie, you can't really tell what the ether is doing because the, the convergence event itself is causing a lot of the strange, destructive um, uh, moments. Even though I could say that the most important bit of this film is the introduction of the ether as an infinity stone, I thought that its use was again a miss and maybe we should have had its debut in another movie. The other big problem I have with it is more of an, an aesthetic one because overall neither the story or action was exciting for me. The jokes, the, the few that were there fell flat most of the times and once again I have to say that the new characters just weren't, they were just totally unexceptional. I, I'm not talking about just the villains, but also Ian, the intern. I mean, why? Why, 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 why? If you've heard my Thor episode, you know that I'm not really fond of the character of Darcy Lewis, played by Kat Dennings. Um, I just think her existence in these movies is a bit unnecessary really so adding a character who is an assistant to this character who is herself an assistant to jane foster was ridiculous just ridiculous anyway if i can say some positive things though about this rather bad movie is that i enjoyed the arcs they gave jane and loki jane here plays a more prominent role in the story and her contact with the Aether may or may not be a reason for what happens to her in Thor Love and Thunder, which comes out in 2022. Who knows? But I'm excited to find out. Um, and Loki, of course, once again, given more depth as this troubled demigod, as his relationship with his adoptive mother, Frigga, is explored, even if in just one or two scenes. But man! The power of those moments, especially when when Frigga comes to visit him in, in his cell and he's telling her how Odin is not his father. And then she asks him if, then, if she is not his mother then as well. And you can see the pain in both their eyes and it's so sad that that was their last interaction before Frigga's sacrifice. You can see the toll it has on Loki in, 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 the, in a following scene when Thor comes to help him ex escape and Loki's illusion. Wow! Just this powerful imagery, this broken man still trying to keep his appearances. Um, even though he knows he's partially to blame for his mother's death, has he had assisted? Her, kill, her killers, um, specifically uh, Curse, earlier in the film, 
uh, find out how to escape the Asgardian prison. So in this scene, my favorite scene from the movie, with Loki completely destroyed by the news of his mother's passings, passing, um, he and Thor are hungry for vengeance and have a truce so that both can save Jane from the Aether's hold and stop Malekith for good. And so we get another iconic moment from the film and a line that will <laughs> echo the Thor franchise, which is, um, I wish I could trust you, brother. Set by Thor to Loki. And that just, that just says it all, doesn't it? Because <laughs> sure enough, after um, a heroic sacrifice by the god of mischief and the somber line, I didn't do it for him, referring to Odin, we rapidly learn that Loki has faked his death. <laughs> so he's presumed dead again. Now, some call this funny, some call it even insulting, but I think it's simply a case of surviving. He knew that if he was alive after confronting Malekith, that he would go back to his cell. So he needed to do something to prevent that. Loki is a survivor, so he fakes his death here. In, in the first movie, I would say that he didn't really fake that death, he simply fell into the abyss and went through a portal after being heartbroken by his dad. And he, he was presumed dead by the Asgardian family. That was just it. He didn't fake that one. Here he actually did for survival purposes. But I'll get into that in a bit as there will be another scene to expand that plot point. So moving on, Jane and Thor return to London just as the Convergence has reached its peak, so Thor has to fight the Dark Elves and ether-powered, mm, kinda, Malekith in a rather monotonous final battle, I would say. And you know what? How can an event this big, when there are literally worlds on the verge of collapsing into each other, how can any of it not draw the attention of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Avengers? This was an Avengers level threat. And I guess you could say that the threat was over rather soon, so maybe there was no time for S.H.I.E.L.D. to assemble the remaining Avengers, but hey, I think it still deserves a, a little cinema sin, if I may. But anyway, Thor fights Malekith, he wins, duh, and retrieves the Aether. London is safe, even if partially destroyed by the second, second alien invasion it had in one year. <laughs> so the God of Thunder goes back to Asgard to talk to his father, and he says this, I'd rather be a good man than a great king. And this line is akin to Captain America's notion of being a good man, not a perfect soldier, which I thought was a fun little nod to that idea. So he tells Odin that he wishes to return to Earth, protect the Nine Realms, but not as a king, and the Old Father concedes, because, surprise, surprise, Odin is actually Loki in disguise. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> 
what happened to Odin? Where is he? What's going to happen to Asgard now that Loki finally has what he wanted all along? I guess we'll have to wait until the third movie to find that out. And, yeah. That was Thor The Dark World. There were some nice bits, like Mjolnir's cool new moves and animations, um, spending more time on Asgard and the things I've mentioned before, but unfortunately, the movie as a whole was very mediocre. Dare I say, bad. Yeah. So it earns a low 6 as an MCU film, and a high 6, if it even matters, as a movie in general. But there's a silver lining, guys, because moving forward, most of the movies will be awesome and well-made, and much better than average. Some even fan-freaking-tastic. So we have to... We have that to look forward to. Just to finish up, as a quick last-minute mention, it's crazy to think that this was the last movie appearance of Lady Sif in the MCU. She did show up for two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after this movie, but she didn't return for Ragnarok, I believe because of scheduling issues. So I wonder if she'll be back for Thor 4, um, because that would be nine years after her last appearance. Um, yeah. Also, obviously, the post-credit scene, once again, teasing something spectacular with a first on-screen reference to the Infinity Stones by classifying the Tesseract and the Aether as such, and introducing the character of the um, Collector 2, who will be a part of Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, which we'll look at in just two days. That is it, guys. We are done with catching up with Thor. Tomorrow, we will spend time with Captain America and Black Widow in the spy movie Captain America the Winter Soldier. I will see you there. Goodbye and stay safe.